Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. The joyful moments happen when you're present enough to witness them. The interactions with your kids, with your friends, with your husband, with, you know, try looking next time you go to Starbucks, try looking the person in the eyes, stopping and, and really looking at them in the face and communicating with them, whether it's about your order, whether it's about, Hey, you know what? Have a really amazing day. And like meaning it that changes people's lives, but you've got to be present enough to be able to have these interactions. And that's where the art of self-care, that's where the slowing down piece has to come in. Living a healthy, balanced life is no small feat, especially when you're a mom. With meals to cook, laundry to load, work to do, and humans to raise, it can be easy to feel like we're in an on-again, off-again relationship with healthy living. But it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe living a healthy life has become way too complicated. What we need isn't a new plan or program telling us what to eat or how to live. We need simple, uncomplicated routines and information that's going to help us live our best, most beautiful life without rules and restrictions. Join me, Kristen Dofniak, holistic health coach, certified intuitive eating counselor, and mama of two for weekly conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life, uncomplicate eating, and simplify in every area of mom life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. Chris here. And every so often I have a guest who is going to come onto the podcast and I just know it is going to be so good and so helpful and that I get on and have a conversation with them and they knock it out of the park even more than I ever could have imagined. And that was today's conversation with Jessica Gershman. Friends, I know that if a podcast interview is so helpful to me while I am in the interview, my gosh, it is one of my favorite things about being a podcast host is being able to get so much incredible wisdom from so many different people in so many different walks of, li of life and so many different areas of expertise. And today I got to talk with Jessica about everything from yoga and meditation and trusting our intuition. She shared her story of having a really difficult early 20s, struggling with an eating disorder and pressure from her family during college, really falling into family life when she got married with her stepkids and then having her own daughter and really 
needing to take a step back and find a place of balance from this place of overwhelm that she was in for so many years. And she is so passionate about the power of self-care. She calls it the art of self-care. And the way that she describes self-care is so different than how anyone else has, how I've heard anyone else describe it. She talks about it as being a practice, a dance, and it really falls into alignment with how I love talking about the concept of balance, but that balance isn't static. It's not something that we are supposed to achieve. It's something that we are constantly working on practicing, and this is exactly how she talks about self-care, and so we dive into self-care for moms and what this looks like really practically. I got to ask her some questions that um, about things that I have wanted to include as self-care practices, things like meditation and how I can start to incorporate that. We talked about really taking away the all or nothing when it comes to self-care and making it look like something that really truly works for you by tuning into what we need in the moment without judgment instead of really falling into these expectations of what we think self-care should look like. I know that this conversation conversation was one that had me really thinking about how I've looked at self-care before and how I've put so many expectations on myself when it comes to self-care and really gave me an opportunity to consider how I could take a step back and go, okay, what is it that I really need? How can I be more present with myself and then therefore more present in my life? We had some real talk about how we can actually squeeze this in practically into our lives, what it means to prioritize self-care and the importance of prioritizing self-care because self-care is such a buzzword, I think, in our world as moms. But I think many of us are approaching it from a place of almost obligation or these unrealistic expectations instead of leaning into what we really need. And so she really guides us in that in this episode. And like I said, it was an incredible conversation. And I know if it helped me, it will certainly help you. So I cannot wait for you to dive in. For those of you who don't yet know Jessica, Jessica Gershman is the founder of the Zen Mommy and the voice behind the Mom Slow Down podcast, as well as a passionate believer in the power of self-care. Through her work as a certified yoga instructor, an accomplished home chef, and a dedicated mindfulness practitioner, she has created a holistic program that supports women, especially moms, in giving them the tools to create a satisfying life. Jessica has experienced juggling the demands of a career as a successful commercial real estate developer with the life-changing role of mom. Through the work of the Zen Mommy, she shares her personal story of overcoming disordered eating, redefining her sense of self as a new mother, and finding ways to feed herself first as a foundation for a more joyful and less stressful life. We all need that, don't we? Without further ado, let's dive into my interview with Jessica. Hi, Jessica. Welcome to the Healthy Balanced Mama podcast. I am so excited to chat with you today. I'm so happy to be here, Kristen. Thank you. Absolutely. I'm excited to dive into what it means to be a Zen mommy. But before we really dive in, I love to start with a little bit of an icebreaker. So what are you reading these days? Ooh, well, uh, besides like yoga books and yoga nidra and all that kind of stuff, I just got into Dr. Shafali. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of her? I haven't. So no. She- Um, so you wrote a book, she wrote a book called conscious parenting, but I'm reading one called Mm -hmm. radical awakening. And it's like what Glennon Doyle did with untamed, you know, just kind of 
diving in the deep feminism and just kind of unchaining us uh, mm. as society has as women and kind of allowing us to be free in our own bodies and our skin and just be, you know, incredible and, and honor kind of where we are. So uh, it's a good read. I also got like 10 copies for all of my girlfriends and the women in my life. So everybody's reading that as well. <laughs> oh, I love that. You are a great friend. I loved Untamed. So that sounds right up my alley. Right. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Okay. We're going to have to link that in the show notes. This question is honestly so selfish. I just get like the best, I get the best recommendations for books. I'm like, if you're going to be on my podcast, then you're obviously pretty cool. So I want to know what you're reading. So <laughs> hopefully my listeners- all kinds of cool stuff that way. I mean, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully my listeners will also get a nice book list from, uh, from my listeners or for my listeners, from my guests. So let's dive right in then. I have come to learn over having a podcast for the past three years, that the people that I interview with the deepest passions usually have a really transformative story behind your passion. And I know that that's true for you. So I would love to start by just having you take us back to when you weren't the Zen mommy. What is your story and where did this passion for helping other women come from? Yeah, well, I definitely was not always uh, Zen, right? And Zen's a continuum. Uh, but I was a type A overachiever. I started my career really young uh, at 19 in commercial real estate, and I ended up developing shopping centers uh, and used a fake ID to get into, you know, like work cocktail parties and all kinds of bizarre things. So, uh, and at the time that I was in the industry, there were like no other women. Um, and if they were, you know, they were so much older than I was, obviously no one was like young and coming into this business and it's a, it was a male dominated business. And so, you know, you had to really kind of be, um, on your game, let's just say, you know, your looks could get you in the door, but you had to back it up with some smarts and some, some real expertise and some knowledge. Uh, but in that I was kind of the apple of my father's eye who I still love dearly, but is a narcissist and, um, was tough, was a tough dad. You know, he liked to remind me, uh, the best and worst about myself. I mean, I think I got all like a four all through college and I got one C it still would be the only grade that he ever talked about. Right. So I got a C in like physics and sports. So it's like, well, remember that one C I'm like, yeah, oh, okay, great. Yeah. So it was a different time. And, you know, I also, uh, had two siblings. I learned early on that being fat was not okay in our family. And, uh, I, I had set myself up, you know, for disordered eating and body dysmorphia and thin was good and fat was bad. My two siblings were overweight. Um, and so there was all of this internal struggle that I went through. And then I met my husband really when I was really young, I was 22 uh, and took on um, two stepkids, you know, that were you know, one and three at the time. Uh, really, I had no business. I was just a baby myself. Um and I struggled. I struggled a lot. Uh, I struggled internally, you know, having disordered eating or having an eating disorder is so isolating and lonely. And I look back at that period of my life and, you know, what could have been, you know, I spent several years in college, but what could have been this incredible experience and fun and, you know, was left just like by myself and feeling like really, bad about myself really most of the time. Right. So, you know, you have, you, you have this idea that I was bulimic and it was like, Oh, it's like this control thing, but really you're so out of control. Everything in your life is out of control, um, with, with eating disorders. And, uh, and it was just, it was a really tough time. And, you know, I got married to my husband, we met in commercial real estate and it was rough. 
it was rough. He had gone through a divorce. And so, you know, he had to set a baggage. I was really young, you know, had two stepkids. We, we missed the whole like fun honeymoon phase of our relationship um, because we were dealing with schedules back and forth. And I was just really, really unhappy. Uh, I was unhappy in my marriage. I was unhappy in life. I was unhappy with myself. Uh, and then my daughter was born. And uh, she was born in 2009. It was the year Barack Obama was inaugurated because I remember bringing her home from the hospital. It was like that weekend, you know, and I remember looking at her and it was just, I was so hopeful. I felt the change in, in, in our world and in the United States. And I felt some change and strength in myself that I had never had before. And, you know, I had gone through, through traditional therapy, a lot of it, and I'm all for it, still in it. Great. You know? <laughs> Uh, but it didn't teach me how to quiet what was going on in my mind, which was chaos, really. I mean, you know, your mind, Kristen's probably chaos. Mine, mine for sure is. I, I can tell you that right now. And most everyone listening, right? We have this, this crazy mind that thinks 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And it's really not that helpful, honestly. Um, it's usually worrying about something that hasn't happened yet or being stuck on, you know, something that's already happened that you can't bring back. And it was finding my way into a yoga class after I had Eva, my daughter. and. Uh, and having this moment, this very transformative, life-altering aha moment, lying in Shavasana in a pool of my own sweat because it was hot vinyasa and they played rap music. And, you know, got, that got me in the door for sure. And uh, I was like, whoa, you know, I just finally felt okay. And it was maybe the first time in probably a decade because I had struggled with all, you know, all of that, uh, internal chatter that I felt okay ever. And I knew there was something to this experience and, you know, anyone that's had that kind of moment of just really being lost in a flow or, or in Shavasana, this, this transformative experience of just being in your own skin and being okay. And that, you know, I kept going back to class and kept learning about yoga. And I mean, I would go every day, to this particular studio, uh, of course, signed up for teacher training, had never really intended to teach, but had this beautiful calling and flash forward another, you know, decade uh, or more. And, uh, and, and I've trained all over the country and I, you know, yoga was my path of transformation. It was teaching me a different way to think, to be, uh, to breathe, to live, some people find it through religion. Um, some people find it through coaching. Some people find it through traditional therapy. For me, I, I started my journey through yoga. I love that so much. Oh my goodness. We have so many parallels to our story. I'm nodding my head over here. I always like to mute to give you the opportunity to really share your story. Um, but you know, just struggling with the eating disorder for so many years, I know you mentioned, um, it feels like everything is, we, we feel like we're in control, right? But everything is really out of control. And it's really that eating disorder that controls us. And I think even when we get to that point of, you know, having all of these years of trauma and then these, you know, whether it's disordered eating or anything else that you're going through, once you move past that, it's, I think it's hard to find that place of, to really regroup and go, okay, so then what, what I'm, what is my life now? Right? Like I've gone through all of this craziness. So what, what is meant for me beyond all of that craziness, beyond all of that chaos. And I love that you 
found this beautiful place in the yoga studio where you're like, oh my gosh, I finally, I finally feel good. And I'm sure there's a lot of listeners listening who have had that similar experience. And I'm sure there's a lot of listeners who might not have had that experience yet too. And they're like, I still feel like I'm kind of in the middle of it. I'm kind of in the middle of all of this craziness. Um, But I think that you give that beautiful message of hope that, you know, even going through all of this, you know, in your past, you still found this place. And for you, that was yoga. And yoga is actually a part of my own story too. Something that I kind of, I've, I've turned to in different seasons of my life. I started when I was like a teenager. I think it was like a, I was a, it was at early college actually at, at, during the time where I was also struggling with an eating disorder in early college. Um, and then kind of in some turbulent times when I ended up moving to another country and it's always, it was always one of those places to really be able to center myself. And it is such a beautiful experience being able to kind of let everything go on the mat. And so I love that you found that there. And, and like I said, I think our stories are so parallel in a lot of different ways with the disordered eating and struggling so much in the past. And then finding this this path of balance, which is what I like to call it. Um, but you know, it's it's different from everyone. And I know that you also have a background in food. I know that you love um, that you've gone to culinary school and you love sharing about food as nourishment. And you have all these different facets to your story. So I'm I'm really curious. In, of all of those difficult times in your life, right, the pressure from your dad, those the experience with an eating disorder in college, struggling in your early marriage, being thrown into stepmotherhood, is there any advice that you would give to that version of yourself or one of those versions of yourself or any of those versions of yourself to kind of fast track you to the woman you were today other than get on that yoga mat? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I recognize that yoga is not always like this wonderful experience for people. If they haven't done it, you know, you're kind of like looking around being what the hell, you know, is it, but if you really let the practice work, it's an internal practice, you know, and it's, it's a very interesting place to go inside and kind of take a a judgment-free look at, at what is going on, you know, what's going on in your mind and your emotions, what's going on with physical pain, you know, how they're all related and the advice I'd give, first of all, I would never go back to my 20s, like for love nor money. I tell people that all the time. I'm like, I would have my 20-year-old butt maybe and like some tighter skin, but I would not go back because I was just so unsure of myself and my skin. And there's a couple of things, you know, prioritizing rest and and not having this, you know, the 20-year-old me had this, I have to work harder than everybody else mentality and proving myself and proving myself to people I'd never met, proving myself to some, you know, fictitious, you know, high achieving, you know, state that I created uh, and, and really prioritizing rest. Also sending love notes to my own body after I had children. And trust me, I'm still sending love notes to my body. There are areas of my body that you know, I would like to see change or, or would want differently. And, you know, I just did this exercise over the weekend of really like taking time and very lovingly massaging body oil all over my body and areas that I may not like as much, or, you know, really focusing on loving those parts of my body. And I even remember what was so interesting about being so young in a career of, you know, men and and older men and women, I looked up to them so much, even when I was like 22, 23 years old. And I was like, man, I can't wait 
to be you because there is something that comes only with age and it's comfortability in your own skin. Uh, and you don't have that in your twenties. I mean, even if I could go back and tell my 20 something year old self, there's something that life experience has to, you have to go through it. I, you know, my 20 year old self wouldn't, wouldn't get it because there's so much more comfort that comes as we continue to age after we've gone through things, we've triumphed, we've experienced grief and loss and failure and success and joy and, and, you know, life changing miracles, like giving birth to humans, like that's incredible. And with that comes such more, um, just loving balance and acceptance. And I think that's our gift through going through what we, what we make it through in life. And, and it kind of come on the outside. It's like, okay, yeah, that was really hard. That was a really hard few years even. Um, but that's our beautiful gift is that we start to become more comfortable in who we are. At least that's the goal, right? Oh my gosh. Yes. So beautiful. Was there anything else kind of during, during this transformation really that you've done that has really helped you along this journey of becoming more comfortable with yourself? So I know you mentioned that exercise of really lovingly massaging your body. I know I'm sure there are so many women listening who are like, that sounds incredibly uncomfortable, but I'm sure incredibly powerful. I know I've done a lot of work on my own, you know, body love and body image and acceptance. So is there anything else you've you've done or maybe that you help women with that has been really, um, I guess, really powerful for you throughout that journey? Yeah. Uh, repeatedly going back and trusting my intuition, trusting my gut. And, uh, so they call it the knowing in yoga consciousness. You could call it, you know, God or, or, or spirituality or whatever, but this knowing that's inside each and every one of us and really trusting that, like, you already know the answers, you know, my body will tell me things and I'm like, mm, I'm just going to ignore that. Like, no, I know how I need to be living my life. I know when I'm off track, I feel it. I know when I'm drinking too much wine. I know when I'm not moving my body. I know when I'm not prioritizing my sleep or filling my own bucket. I know. And, and most everybody out there listening knows too, right? We know when something's off, whether you want to call it this balance, which I feel like is the new perfection, right? <laughs> so it's like this dangling carrot that we like to have in front of us. It's like, oh, my life is balanced. It's like balance is a continuum, right? It looks different every single day. Balance is not black and white. Uh, it's very, very gray. Uh, and if we stop looking at this kind of pass fail situation, we can start to really feel success and joy. But the biggest thing I think in, in all of that is, is just being comfortable and, you know, in our own skin and kind of coming back to that. Like for me, meditation is really important. That's this piece of like slowing down. Like, I mean, I have to slow down to do more. If I just continue to do and do and do, and I was the one, I mean, I remember like taking on so many responsibilities from having like my brother living at my house. I mean, so many things. I'm like, yes, I'm just going to take it all on. And I found myself like laying in a bathtub crying with no water. You know, I mean, that's where we end up being as women, as mothers, as caretakers, as these nurturers. We just go and go and go until we don't have any other choice. And we just fall out from exhaustion and being overstressed. And I've been at that place and I was raised by a single mom. And that's all I knew. You just put your head down and you went, right? You just did it. And there's, I'm learning, still learning, you know, there's such a better way to prioritize things in your life, to prioritize yourself, to prioritize 
For me, it's meditation and movement and feeding my body. I've got my lunch here. I'm eating like the sweet potato quinoa burger that I get delivered from an, from an all organic raw cafe. Cause I know that I'm going to be sitting here and I have to feed myself and I don't want to go into the pantry and eat, you know, a bag of potato chips and, and four cookies, you know, I'm not going to feel good. Uh, but, but really it's that slowing down piece that really allows us to, to do so much more, to be so much more present in our life. Mm, yeah, I hear this common theme from what you're sharing, the prioritizing rest and slowing down. And I think it's it's so much of it is about taking that time that I think a lot of us as moms feel either guilty about or like, you know, like we're not allowed to take it or that we just don't have that time. So as a mom and a stepmom, how do you kind of carve that out in your life? And how do you guide the women that you work with to take that time to rest, to take that time to slow down, maybe even when they feel like they just can't? Yeah. I mean, you may not like this answer, but there's, there's always a choice. Um, you may not like the options sometimes, right? Um, but I even tell my kids this, like, there's always a choice. You know, you can always choose yourself. Uh, and for me early on, you know, I prioritizing myself, like I know I have to move every day. Like there's nothing that I'm doing in my life. That's all that important that I can't push it back 45 minutes. And, you know, I think working moms do an even better job at scheduling in time for themselves because they're used to scheduling meetings and used to scheduling, you know, their life runs on a very tight schedule and there's on hours and off hours. And then there's mom hours, but you know, there is no off hours in mom life, right? So you don't get to just take a vacation from being a mom or you're like, I'm sorry, I'm off the clock. Please go you deal with it yourself, little toddler. You know, that that doesn't happen. And so there's this very skewed line of like never being off, right? As a mom. And so choosing ourselves has to be a choice in the moment. It has to be, you know, something that you prioritize, you know, like, if you don't prioritize your marriage and relationships, it's not going to be very good. You don't prioritize your friendships. They're not going to be very intimate and connected. You know, you don't prioritize your job. You might get fired. I mean, there's things that we have to prioritize in life and ourself being one of them, you know, there, it is the most important relationship you will ever have is the one you have with yourself and no one else can make you happy. I learned that one the hard way. Uh, no one else can take care of you you know, loving yourself and treating yourself with kindness and love and respect and all of these wonderful things. And that includes like the chatter that goes on in our mind. You know, only you can do that for yourself. You know, no one else can save you. No one else can make you happy. No one else can, you know, give you time off. You have to start doing it for yourself. And I, you know, guilt, I had a therapist. He was very, very wise, you know, asked me one time is like, would you order guilt from a menu at a restaurant? Like, you know, I'll have the pasta bolognese with a side of guilt. I'm like, well, no, it's like guilt is a thankless emotion. Like you don't benefit the one having the guilt doesn't benefit the person you feel guilty over is not benefiting from it. It's just this thankless suffering that goes on in this because we've created some kind of standards in our mind. Right. So not feeling guilty. I'm not going to make it to every one of my kids' soccer games. You know, it, it just isn't the way it is because sometimes I want to do something for myself. You know, they're not bad children. They're not going to like be devastated. They have so many wonderful people in their lives, but I think it's start coming back to prioritizing yourself, 
prioritizing yourself, prioritizing yourself. No, there's always a choice. No, it doesn't have to be pass fail. You know, or if you're like, well, I'm going to only make it to the gym if I have 60 minutes and I can do this. Well, then, you know, some days you're not going to make it because some days you don't have 60 minutes. And so if you start giving yourself, like, I love this gray area or this continuum of what that looks like. And, you know, sometimes it's just getting outside and sitting out, you know, for five minutes and feeling the sunshine on your face. If you are lucky enough to live in a place with lots of sun, which is not me in Indiana, (laughs) but, you know, looking at it as this this opportunity, you know, to, to carve out moments. Uh, I try to meditate every day. Some days I, you know, first thing I do 20 minutes, some days it's five minutes in carpool or two minutes in carpool, you know, I mean, being creative and finding these ways to prioritize yourself and letting go of these very, very, very black and white strict standards that it has to look, feel, or be a certain way. Mm, Yeah, I think that's so important. I'm so glad that you brought up the idea of this gray area and not having to look a certain way, because I think that's where so many of us get stuck, myself included. Like I am still guilty of this. This is something I worked through for a long time with food, moving away from that all or nothing mentality. Same thing with movement, moving away from that all or nothing mentality. But I think it's so easy to do that in other areas, too. And, And to... I think sort of sometimes still do this when it comes to taking care of ourselves in, you know, things like movement, even if we're like, no, 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 it's okay if I don't do it perfect, but I still have to get in 30 minutes or 60 minutes, or I have to do it four days a week, or I have to, and putting these have tos in our, and these shoulds can prevent us from even doing it at all and even taking care of ourselves at all. And I think that it's so important to just have that reminder that it doesn't need to look a certain way. The point is that you're doing it, that you are taking that time for you and that your kids will be okay if you miss a soccer game because you really needed that yoga class today or you really needed to go for that walk. And like, what do your kids want more? A crazy stressed out mom who's like barely paying attention because they're thinking about, you know, how stressed out they are or the mom who went to a yoga class and comes back and can sit down and ask them about their soccer game and sit down and have a beautiful dinner together and be present. And I'm really listening to what you're saying and speaking to myself here, because (laughs) I think that it is really easy to get into that place as moms where we're trying to be super mom and either not prioritizing ourselves at all or making excuses for not prioritizing ourselves because it doesn't look a certain way. So I think that's really powerful. And I, I really, really appreciate that perspective. So in the the same vein of taking care of yourself, which is really where we're kind of moving towards, right? There's something that you share on your website as I'm digging into all of your all of your wonderful things on your website and your app, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but you shared something and I'm reading this going, amen, yes. <laughs> so you say that feeling great is not something left behind in our 20s. It is absolutely within our reach to pause, have time for you, which is what we've been talking about. No matter what your calendar looks like, find creativity and joy in cooking, even if it feels like a chore now and love every part of yourself, which we've already started talking about. And you call all of this, the art of self-care. So let's dig into this a little bit deeper. We've been moving towards this, you know, this idea of self-care, which I think very much like the word balance. I think oftentimes the word self-care has come into our, um, 
come into our world as moms and come into our vernacular as something that almost feels like a, an expectation bigger than it even should be. So what what is the art of self-care? What do you consider the art of self-care? And really, how do you start to incorporate this? You, you know, we've talked about the importance of prioritizing. How do you start to prioritize self-care, especially as a mom? And I love using the word like the art of self-care, right? Like it's kind of this dance, you know, and it's an art form in a sense that it looks different. You know, it looks different as a mom in all stages of your life when, you know, I don't have toddlers at home anymore, but I very much remember that. And I had two stepsons and two toddlers and it was so much going on and everybody was in different directions. And I love to remind other people that, you know, whatever you're going through is temporary, right? Like, when you get the newborn to finally sleep through the night and you're like, oh my goodness, this is so amazing. I'm a rock star. I'm getting eight hours. All of a sudden you feel replenished. And then the baby learns how to roll over and they're like up, you know, every two hours. And you're like, oh my God, what has happened? You know, and I, we've all been there and it's, and it's terrible and it's like so upsetting and it's all temporary, you know, and the art of self-care is really this dance that's unique for everyone. And it's unfortunate that taking care of yourself has become this very like social media pseudo pressure situation, which is like, oh, if I take bubble baths and I do, you know, massages and I get my nails done and okay, that's great. If that's something that you're into and that fills up your bucket and that makes you feel whole and great, but it's like this pressure, then it's like, oh, I've got a one up that, you know, all of a sudden the self-care like limits start to get pushed and, you know, you end up feeling worse about yourself, right? So the art of self-care is figuring out exactly what you need in that moment, you know, and then, and then doing it, you know, so slowing down, which I talk about a lot, or I talk about mindfulness is being in the present moment without judgment. So figuring out in that moment, like dropping inside, going into that crazy place, figuring out how you feel, what's going on emotionally, mentally, what's going on with your energy, you know, not judging it, not being like, oh, well, you're a bad mom or you're a good mom or you're, you know, an okay mom. And just then making the choice. What do I need? Do I need a coffee date with a girlfriend? And that's going to make me feel better. Do I need uh, to take a nap, you know, and, and give my responsibilities over to someone? Do I need to kick it out of that park in the work meeting and really hustle and, you know, work on my computer till 10 and 11 o'clock at night, because that's what I need to fill myself up right now. You know, it's an art, it's a dance. It's a, it's an art form. It's going to look different, but none of that is accessible if you don't slow down to check in. And I think that's the most important thing that I keep wanting to tell other moms, because I'm there, I am right with you. And it is easy to just put your head down like a linebacker, which I like, remember my mom, a single mom doing, and just running through life. And then you get on the other side and you're like, what the hell? Five years have gone by, you know, my, you know, I look bad. I haven't done anything for myself. You know, I'm out of shape. I'm like, my kids are older and they don't need me. I mean, it goes by so fast. And the joyful moments happen when you're present enough to witness them, the interactions with your kids, with your friends, with your husband, with, you know, try looking next time you go to Starbucks, try looking the person in the eyes, stopping and, and really looking at them in the face and communicating with them, whether it's about your order, whether it's about, Hey, you know what? Have a really amazing day. And like meaning it that changes people's lives, but you've got to be present enough 
to be able to have these interactions. And that's where the art of self-care, that's where the slowing down piece has to come in. You got to check in with what's going on. Mm, Oh my gosh. I'm taking notes over here (laughs) because I'm like, it's so true. How often do we, and I'm speaking for myself and probably for a lot of other moms too, just go through a day and all of a sudden it's five o'clock and we're like, what happened? I think especially for those of us who are, so I split my time. I am a a work at home mom. Um, I mean, I work sometimes out of the home teaching cooking classes, but most of the time I, I work from home and I split my time between having my kids with me and then not having my kids with me. And doesn't matter what kind of day I have, you know, there are so many days during the week where it's five o'clock and I am literally like, I don't know what I did today. I think I was productive. I did. I actually hang out with my kids today or were we just running around doing errands all day? Like what happened? It's so, it's so easy to never check in and to get to the end of the day and be exhausted and just be like, just hand me a glass of wine (laughs) and not really realize that, okay, maybe yes, we're all going to have days where we end up exhausted at the end of the day. That's totally normal as moms. So I don't want to make any mom feel bad about feeling exhausted at the end of the day. I'm right there with you. Um, But we don't want to go through every single day like that, feeling like the days are just flying by, right? What is the phrase? The days are long, but the years are short. The years are really short, like you said, and we want to be present. And what you said, the joyful moments happen when you're there to notice them. That was like, oh, it's like a gut check, right? A heart check going, yeah, there are days where I don't even notice what happens most of the day. And we don't, you know, we're not going to notice every single moment, but the more that we really can be present, I think a lot of that comes from reducing that overwhelm in our lives and that, and we need that, that self-care in order to reduce that overwhelm. And I think that just that simple check-in is something all of us can do. I'm all about those simple things that we can do to change our lives for the better. And yeah, just that simple checking in, what do I need? What did you say? Figuring out what you need in the moment and then doing it and not judging yourself for it. Just asking yourself. I know I very much, um, gotten into the self-care trap of feeling like, okay, this thing makes me feel good. And this thing makes me feel good. And this thing makes me feel good. And then trying to squeeze all of them in almost as it's, and just filling up my schedule with the like self-care things. Like I've got to get my nails done. I've got to go get that massage. I've got to do, you know, I've got to meet my friends for lunch. And then it ends up being like what was supposed to be self-care ends up being extra stress. (laughs) So instead of, you know, scheduling in, in a, in a forced way, focusing on more of that check-in, I think can be, can be really powerful. So I really, really love that. So something that you mentioned earlier, um, you mentioned working moms and I know that you work a lot with working moms. You are a working mom yourself. And like I said, I'm also a working mom. Um, but I don't work for an outside company. I work for myself and I, there are different, you know, there are definitely different pressures and, and different ways in both of those situations. But I think for working moms, sometimes it can feel like there is no time for that extra self-care because we're splitting our time between work. And like you said, motherhood just doesn't end. There's no end. You don't clock out of motherhood. Um, Sometimes it can be easier because they have that schedule. So what is your advice for working moms, whether they are working at home or working outside the home or a combination of both to bringing in this self-care, even when it does feel like, well, I don't, I don't have any time outside of work and motherhood. Yeah. You know, what you don't want it to be is like tacked on, like you said, all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I've got, you know, nails and, and yeah, those things are great. And yeah, they can become like one more thing that adds stress 
to our lives. Like we're running, like I got a facial last week, but it was like inconvenient. And I was running there and I was like, I got to be out of here by, you know, I've got, I'm watching my clock the whole time. I mean, you know, it wasn't really like this enjoyable moment or experience. It was like something I shoved in that ended up being more stressful. I think having a gut check, you know, working moms, non-working moms, it's all hard, right? We all have a shit ton that we have going on. Uh, and it's a gut check, I think is really important. And someone said this to me, it was like saying yes to something is saying no to something else. So there are things in our lives that we don't necessarily get to say no to. Some of that's like going to work. And, you know, there are some other things in our lives that, you know, we just can't pass off, but gut checking something like, what is the why behind what you're doing? Whether you're a working mom, stay at home mom, and it's all hard. But what is the why? Am I going to this lunch because I feel obligated or, you know, or if I gut check, I'm like, mm, no, I really miss my friend and I'm really looking forward to being with her or him or whatever. And, and then being really present at that lunch, you know, versus I, I'm just throwing it in. My girlfriend's wanting to get together. I really don't have time. And then you find yourself, you're there, you're watching your clock, you're looking at your phone, you're, you know, you're all over the place. You're not really interacting because you're stuck in your head about the million things that you have to do. And so, you know, gut checking a lot because I found that when I commit to something that, um, be it a work, I'm in the stage of, of, of work where I'm like saying yes to everything, you know, and I have to gut check myself, Right. Why am I doing this? Is this going, you know, am I going to serve me? Am I going to be resentful? You know, when, when you go to that, like you commit to going to, or, you know, being at an event and it's fine. Cause it's far enough away that you don't have to think about it. And then the date comes up and you're just angry or resentful. And you really, you're looking for reasons to get out and finding the excuses. I mean, we've all done it, you know, for all kinds of things. And, you know, you cancel at the last minute or whatever that is not a great habit to get into, right? People try to count, want to count on you. But I think what absolves us from that is gut checking things. You know, why are we putting this? What is the why behind what we're doing? You know, are we adding this massage because we're going to be able to really, truly relax and enjoy it. And, you know, we've had some tension in our neck for a while, and that's going to really feel good. Or you know what? It's not really working because here's the reasons why. You know, it could be a million things: work, kids, schedule, life, whatever. Um, I think that you know, I said this really early on in the podcast, and it was like going back to trusting your intuition, you know, and check in this check-in, and I just keep going back in because as women, as females, we are so innately attuned to our knowing to our intuition. I mean, women's intuition is a thing, right? People don't walk around and be like, oh, it's men's intuition. No, it's women's intuition. Like we, we know what's up. We know what we need in the moment. You know, we know the things that, you know, we're just adding on to add on and know that trusting that trust that you, that you've got it, whether you're a working mom or a stay at home mom, you know, and, and trusting where you are in the process when you do need a break. You know, and the other piece for all moms is learning to ask for help, for help from others and being receptive to help. And this is a mantra I work with all the time. I'm going to be a better receiver. I'm a really good giver. I'm a really good sacrificer. I will show up for you. I am not a very good receiver. And I think a lot of other women can, you know, attest to that. Being a receiver is, is a beautiful thing. People want to add things to your life. People want to contribute. You know, we're so controlled type A and yeah. And you know, is it harder sometimes to have my husband 
you know, cook dinner because I got to tell him a million things and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. But, you know, he wants to contribute. He wants to help. You know, he wants to be a part of it. And your kids, like, you know, they want to help around the house. They want to contribute. Um, and asking for help, I think, is really uh, a good piece of advice. I'm going to be a better receiver. I like that yeah. a lot. That's it's a mantra. Yeah. A work in progress. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. I think all of this is a work in progress. I know that, you know, just even trusting ourselves can be really difficult sometimes, especially if we have struggled in the past with our bodies. Like we talked about earlier in the podcast, I think sometimes it can be, we can feel, we can feel like it's difficult to trust ourselves, to trust our intuition, to trust our bodies, to trust what we know. But I think it is a practice, like you said, continuing to follow that leading and follow that knowing and go, okay, I'm, I'm going to listen to myself and I'm going to follow it and see what happens. And the more I think we can really accept that, okay, that was, that was what I needed. Then the more we start to trust ourselves more and more, and the more we can lean on our intuition and what is it that I need? And sometimes it can be hard to figure out what we need. And so sometimes it is just, I think that receiving too something I've been trying to practice is saying yes, more to And really, I guess it is receiving, right? Even the little things that I don't think are going to be a big deal. For instance, my sister, um, she films videos for me. So whenever I do any videos for uh, Instagram or YouTube or any sort of, you know, any of my cooking videos, she helps me. And so I always go up to my parents' house as my studio. And so whenever I go up to my parents' house, um, I have, I like load all this stuff with me. I've got like my tripods because I've got the fancy tripods for the cooking stuff. And I've got all my food and I've got everything all in the back of the car. And it's so easy for me. Like I'm pretty strong for my size. So I'll grab everything and, you know, take like three or four trips in and she'll come out and she'll go, can I help you? And I'm like, no, 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 I'm fine. I got it. And she's just standing there. And I'm like, okay, my sister can help me bring in a couple bags. It would make everything happen easier. And such a simple little thing, but it makes such a big difference. And I'm like, wow, I am coming in to this so much more relaxed and I need way less time to be like, okay, I'm ready to jump in when I just let her help me with a couple bags. And it seems so simple, but just like the example of like letting your husband help with dinner, is he going to do it the same way that you do? Probably not. And you know, if you're the cook in the family, some, some of our husbands are the cook in the family. My husband is not, um, but he has offered and he does cook every now and again. And I know that he feels nervous serving it to me because I've been in the cooking world for so long, but I'm like, you know what? It's just the fact that you helped out. Like that is, that's all this is. That's what this means. It means I got a break and I appreciate that and allowing ourselves to receive that. Even if it doesn't feel perfect, even if it feels so little that it feels insignificant, it's not even just my sister carrying in those bags. So if my sister's listening, thank you for helping me carry in my bags. (laughs) Those little things really do make a difference. So I really like that. And I really like that mantra. I'm, I'm getting better at receiving. I'm going to work on that myself. So I love that. So something that you talk about is these three foundational pillars. And we've already, we've kind of started digging into these. And I love conversations where we're really just the things that I want to ask you are things that we're already sort of kind of talking about because it, it is this larger message that you share, this art of self-care. And so you talk about these foundational pillars as a path to joy for moms, nourishment, movement, and mindset. So how do you integrate these pillars? We've talked about prioritizing self-care. How do you integrate the nourishment, the movement, the mindset into your everyday life when it feels 
chaotic, like we've been talking about, which is, I think the theme for many moms, how do you, how do you integrate these really important practices? Well, mindset, mindfulness, meditation is, you know, is something everyone can do breathing, like we're all breathing. Right. And I think these tools are so important. It really starts with mindset. You know, it starts with how we are approaching our life, how we're approaching every day, um, can we start to distance ourselves from the chatter that goes on in our mind and recognize like, they're just thoughts, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not you as a person. They're not, you know, it, it doesn't say anything about who you are or how you are or, or whatever. And so this idea of, you know, being in the present moment without judgment, it also allows whatever emotions are happening. Um, meditation and breath work are tools. You know, I have a whole like learn how to meditate in seven days series. Right. Because I was afraid too. I was like, I don't know how to meditate. I'm not good at it. Uh, and, and meditation like yoga and medicine for that matter is a practice. So there's no pass or fail in, in meditation and yoga. There's no good or bad or right or wrong. It's just doing, and it's actually not even doing, it's just being like in meditation. Right. And everything is a practice. Like your mind is a muscle. So the more that you meditate or focus on concentration, whether it's, you know, breath or mantra or whatever, the, the stronger it's going to become. And so when you find yourself in a stressful situation and you're like, ah, and the kids are crazy. And you're like, oh my God, you have tools. You're like, oh, wait, I'm going to do this breathing technique. I'm going to do two to one breath. And I'm going to take that minute for myself. And I'm going to then reassess and see how I feel. Do I still feel like killing my children and husband (laughs) or making that choice or whatever? Or maybe I feel a little bit more calm. So mindset piece is huge. Uh, Gratitude. There's a space in my app, which we can talk about later for a gratitude journal. Like gratitude is like the antidote to, to just suffering and, and anger, right? If you can be grateful about something, like it starts to change your attitude, even just the act of smiling, you know, and turning your lips up is something called neurobics. It's got a, a response in the brain neurologically that incites happiness. And like, even if you're faking it and you're just forcing the smile on your lips, um, the other piece movement, I just, for me, yoga was like, is a coming home. It's a safe place. It's for all levels. It's for all bodies. Uh, it's uh, a place of self-exploration. And it's one of those things where when you practice yoga, your body is like, yes, do more of that, you know? And, and if you've never, if you've ever had a moment of maybe some time has gone by before you've moved and then you go, you feel stuck, right? You feel sticky, gummed up. It's like, you need an oil change. Uh, and, and yoga is all about moving the stuck energy, right? We are energy. We are just life forms or energy prana, you know, breath is energy. We're having that exchange all the time. And so it's like moving the stuck energy so that things start to slide and glide a little better. You know, you start to feel better in everything that you're doing when you practice yoga. So it's just been that coming home. I know if I don't make it onto my mat, you know, I know how my body feels. It just feels stuck. You know, I can't even just picking and getting the seatbelt or picking up my kids, you know, you're just like, Oh, everything aches. Right. Uh, And then the nourishment piece that I think is foundational is, is truly because when we all have to eat, I mean, that's an interesting thing from recovering from an eating disorder is that like, you have to find a healthy relationship with food and you can't just like, oh, I'm never going to eat again. <laughs> or like, I mean, you could like not do drugs. Like that is, you know, okay, but you can't not eat. So it's an interesting piece. But as we look to food and we're learning so much more in the past, you know, I don't know, 50 years of how food affects us and how it makes us feel. 
fit in, shit out, you know, nourishment in whole foods, you know, and that what we feel like when we're eating colors, you know, and, and what we feel like in the converse when, when we're not, and when we're eating a lot of packaged things, you're just not going to be as sharp. You know, it's a lot easier to get stuck in that, um, that kind of cycle and you just feel gummy and stuck and lethargic and tired. And then you throw like a gray day and seasonal adjustment disorder and the stresses of life. And it's just like, oh my gosh, it's too much. Uh, and, and choosing, you know, to feed yourself with whole foods. I want to teach cooking and I teach foundational cooking, like knife skills and how to grill and all of these things, because I find that, you know, moms are usually tasked. We still are doing 90% of the housework or something crazy like that, right? It's an, it's an imbalanced system. And most of the moms are taxed with cooking, but they don't like it and they don't enjoy it. And, you know, I remember being a little kid and not doing something that I wasn't good at. Like nobody wants to go pit, be picked last, you know, on the soccer team. But I wanted to teach cooking skills because if you feel more confident in something, you're going to enjoy it more. You're going to be more apt to trying a new recipe and exposing your children to different tastes and foods and spices. And all of that is creating nourishment for your family. And I think food is that is this thing that, you know, can be so healing and so nourishing and so greatly impactful and can keep us firing on all levels and all cylinders. Uh, and, you know, Processed food, eating out at restaurants is tough. It's, you know, you could make an a, an identical meal as to one out in the restaurant and the one you make at home is going to be healthier for you from a caloric standpoint and from, you know, macros and stuff. So um, there's a time and place for all of that, right? That's balanced too. But when you learn these basic skills of how to feed yourself and then feed others, you know, I mean, that's something that you can take for the rest of your life. Yes. Oh, I 100% agree. With everything you said, but I'm nodding along with the cooking because I have a very, very similar philosophy when it comes to creating that confidence in the kitchen because then it does, it, it makes it feel less stressful to be there. And I know that that's a huge point of stress for so many moms. Um, and finding that movement that you enjoy, like you said, with yoga feels like coming home. I think that is so, and you've inspired me to to do more yoga. I have been out of the practice because I, I do love doing yoga in and I, I do yoga probably once a week, but only for about 20 minutes. I just do kind of some flow just to stretch things out. I'm a runner too. So it's really important to keep my body limber. Um, but I love doing yoga in a studio in the past couple of years. I haven't been able to do that, but there's another excuse coming up going, well, I can't do it because I can't go to a studio, but there's so many amazing resources like your app being one of them where you can find those resources. You can find a community of other people who also love this and whether it is yoga or a different form of movement. Um, there are always those ways. And I think that, um, something that that theme that keeps coming up is that checking in with yourself and going, okay, what is it that I need when it comes to mindset, when it comes to movement, when it comes to food, what is not working? And so then what do I need? And kind of leaning into that a little bit. So I have a, I have a question. I want to take it back a little bit back to the mindset piece. And this is another like really selfish question where I'm like, okay, if I'm feeling this, I know that there are other moms feeling this too. I have tried meditating in the past and I make it like a couple of minutes. And I, you know what, actually at the beginning of this year, 
I got into a pretty good practice of meditating for about 10 minutes in the morning when I woke up and then life happened and life got a little bit crazy. Um, My husband goes away for work often and he wasn't at the beginning of the year and now he is more. And so, you know, kiddos wake up and they come and they want to talk to mommy and it isn't a practice that I've been in anymore. But and it's definitely something I could I could try and bring back. But I think meditation is very hard for me. Stilling my brain is really hard for me. So do you have any pieces of advice for the the mom who's like, I know meditation is supposed to be good for me, but where do where do I even start? (laughs) I know that you said you have a resource for how to start meditating, but from a total baseline level, where do I start? Or if like me, I kind of got into the practice, but it didn't stick. What's your recommendation for for really getting that going? If that's something I know it's such a big part of your life and what you do. Yeah, I think the things that are hardest are the ones that we need to do the most. Right. We talked a lot about how Kristen, we have a lot of parallels and and the meditation piece was the last kind of holding off thing that I didn't incorporate into my life because it was really hard for me. And, you know, I had a meditation teacher, you know, I did all the things and You know, it was one of those where like, again, trusting the knowing, I knew that was the piece that's the game changer for me. And it was the one that I resisted the most. (laughs) And um, I think what I did for myself to make meditation accessible was take all of like the restrictions off. Well, it has to be 20 minutes. It has to be sitting up in a meditation cushion, which is really uncomfortable. It has to be, you know, look this way and be this way. And, it, and you know, and I feel like pass fail, right? If your mind wanders or you, and I took all of that away and I took, uh, you know, it has to be first thing in the morning and all of these things that I had heard along the way about meditation and, and decided that the, those were the rules. And if I didn't live up to those, then it just wasn't worth doing. And so again, taking these off, like I can meditate lying down. I, you know, at the end of the day, before I go to sleep, I can meditate sitting in my desk chair. I can take a few minutes. I can push away, close my laptop. I like to take my watch off could get all of the energetic vibes away and take five minutes. I can do it in my car in carpool. You know, when I'm sitting there waiting for my kids, I can turn everything off. I can focus on my breath, set a little timer. I can do guided meditation. I can do walking meditation, right? Where I'm out walking the dog taking my music off and I'm going to take some time and I'm just going to observe. I'm going to observe nature. I'm going to feel the leash in my hand. I'm going to feel the clothes on my skin. So I took all of what I thought meditation had to be away and started living my life in a more meditative way. Does that make sense? Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) You know, so as when we can take these like rigid boxes away from something and, and be like, Hey, this is an opportunity. I can meditate and walk my dog. You know, I can take moments of just observing my thoughts, being in my breath, which is like the number one tool to be like, we're all breathing or we're not living. Right. So everyone breathes. And it's that tool that keeps us grounded. That can be this anchor to my mind. And I can just start to observe what's going on in my thoughts. Is it busy and crazy with the day? And I could be like, yeah, you know what? My mind's kind of busy today. And that's it. I'm just acknowledging it. I'm not like you suck because your mind is all over the place and you're, you're a terrible meditator, right? That's not going to get us anywhere. We would never talk to our children that way, but that's how we talk to ourselves in our quiet mind. And just taking all of these restrictions away and starting to look at them as meditative opportunities. And they are everywhere you look. 
driving. You know, I had a, my meditation teacher said my first exercise was to pick a color. You know, I was like, okay, whatever, I'll pick yellow. And he's like, okay, now every time when you're driving, I want you to notice the color yellow. I'm like, okay, well, yellow is everywhere. Yellow is all the streets, you know, all of the lines on the road. It's the signs, it's, you know, the stoplights. And all of a sudden it was this reminder, be in the present moment, be in the present moment, be in the present moment. And so that was an entry into like realizing even driving can be a meditative experience. So take away what you think it needs to be, you know, to get started in something. Yeah. Would it be great to get to a meditation practice where you can sit and meditate for 20 minutes? Absolutely. You will absolutely, you will benefit from that. Your brain will benefit. You will start to change, you know, your brains are malleable. You will start to change. You will start to be a different person and it'll be amazing. But if you're getting, having trouble getting started, take all the restrictions away. Look at them as opportunities and gifts in life to live in a more mindful way, in a more meditative way, and and see where that gets you. I love that so much. (laughs) That was exactly what I needed. I, I needed that permission, I think, to to take away those restrictions. And as someone who has spent so many years taking all of these restrictions out of all of these expectations I've had for myself, it is easy to put those, you know, it has to look like this and, you know, put that on something like meditation, which is a really important practice. I love that, that idea of even just something as simple as choosing a color and noticing that to bring you back in the present moment or bringing it in to those small moments. When you said the carpool line, I was actually thinking about uh, the other day. So we typically, uh, my daughter goes to school on the bus, but my husband is away as he is often, and he's going to be often this winter. So I've got to get used to this, this practice in our family. I had to bring my youngest daughter to preschool, and then I had to bring my oldest daughter to school. Um, it was just kind of the way timing worked out. And my oldest daughter, she's eight, but she's still not so comfortable. She's going to a new school this year and she's not so comfortable kind of with just the drop off. She wanted me to walk her in and I was like, okay, I'll walk you in. But where I had parked again, new school, new neighborhood, not wasn't quite, wasn't quite sure what I was doing where I parked. I really realized afterwards I parked right in the carpool line or like off to the side of the carpool line. So it wasn't in anyone's way, but when I got back to the car after dropping her off, um, I was in like a 25 minute carpool line that I couldn't get out of. I had to let everyone else go by before I could leave. And so I started to panic there for a second because I was like, I have to get home and I have to get to work and okay, I work for myself. So I didn't have any podcast interviews immediately. I had time. It was okay. And I kind of talked myself out of my panic for a second. Like, it's okay, Chris, you have time before anything is scheduled. You're okay. And I sat there and I actually put on Christmas music (laughs) and I just relaxed for a few minutes. And I'm like, that would have been the perfect moment to just do some meditation and to calm myself down. I had the opportunity. I could have done it. I mean, I hadn't, you know, hadn't talked to you yet, so I hadn't thought of it, but that would have been a perfect opportunity. But what if you did do it? What if putting on Christmas music and calming yourself and just being with your moment was meditation, right? That's like, true. It, it really kind of was. It. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Oh, I love that. Cause it was, I was like, what do I need right now? <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to put on some Christmas music and hang out here. And then it was fine. And, and it worked out. And now my daughter has told me that she's comfortable walking in by herself now. I'm like, Oh, okay, great. <laughs> but yeah, no, right? I it's love all that. Temporary. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. 
Yes, it is. Oh, I love that. This has been so, so helpful. Oh my gosh. And if it's helpful for me, it's certainly helpful for the women listening. I love it. So I would love for you to tell us about the Zen Mommy app. I've already kind of dug into it a little bit, but I would love for you to share more about what inspired you to create it and how it can help the mom who's listening with all of these practices that you've been sharing. Yeah. So I launched the app over the summer uh, of 2020 and, you know, wanting this idea of, of reaching more women and creating a community, you know, and seeing this as a platform that could continue to grow. But, you know, as we talked about in nourishment, movement, and mindset, the, the pillars in my life that have just made such a difference in my life. And it's really about cultivating, you know, your own unique toolbox, you know, Chris. So for that moment, your toolbox with putting on Christmas music and just breathing, you know, and that is beautiful. And so it's, it's giving women permission, the tools, the experiences to create their own kind of life toolbox. Like, I know I can go back to this. I know I can spend 30 minutes on Jessica's app and do a yoga class and feel back in my body and my, you know, and, and do that. And all the yoga classes on there that are pre-recorded are 30 minutes. And, um, but it's, it's really about just giving tools. Like we all need tools to get through life. And if I've learned anything, I know that like, there is no unique suffering. Like it's been done in the past. It will be done again. And it unites all of us, right? Life is challenging, is hard, no matter what it looks like on the outside. You know, we all have our own struggles, you know, internally, externally. Uh, and, and we're going to have these in life. And we'd have to just learn how to like, to face them where it feels like they aren't such extremes. Right. And so what yoga practice and what mindfulness and meditation and, you know, all of this is, is it, it like levels out the bumps, right? Cause you know how to navigate your life with a little bit more ease. So we call it like in yoga, like the flow state where you feel like you know, doors are opening. You're just feeling like you're riding it. You're like, all right, you know, things, opportunities are, are opening up for me, or I'm kind of, killing this parent game right now. And, you know, you feel good and you're just riding that wave, right? You're not coming up against it. You're not doing something that you're not meant to do. You're not, you know, arguing and angry. And, you know, there's all of these tools and like being joyful happens in the present moment, but a lot of people don't know how to access that. And so it's just like, here, here are the gifts that have made such a difference in my life. Let me share them with you. Hopefully they will make a difference in your life, or at least give you some tools to start cultivating and get out in the world and, and find your own toolbox, create your own tools. But it's that jumping off point, you know, and I think the yoga practice piece, um, which I wasn't like at home practicer, but like you, I haven't been in a studio in like two years. And what's nice and unique about being able to practice yoga at home is that it can be intimidating. Right. And, and, and I have a beginner's mindset of what it's like to not understand yoga or the poses and go into a yoga class where everyone in the whole world feels like they, you know, know what they're doing and understand what the teacher's calling out, you know, and so to be able to cultivate or start or begin or have a yoga practice at home gives again, that confidence piece, you know, gives you a little bit of confidence to know and be like what Jessica said, I can only do what feels good in my body. Right. So, you know, that going into a studio, no matter what a teacher's calling out that, you know, that you can do really child's pose, you know, that, you know, that, and, you know, if you hadn't had that experience at home in a very safe space, maybe you wouldn't know that. And you'd 
push yourself and yoga can be, you know, really frustrating and intimidating and painful and, you know, all of these things that it doesn't have to be. And so it's nice to be able to cultivate these things at home and we're doing more things uh, at home. We're doing more things on apps. You know, it is just the way of the world. I teach through zoom. I never thought that would ever happen, but I teach all of my live classes through zoom. And it just gives me the ability to broaden my reach, which is what is so nice. And to connect, which is what it's about with other women all over the country, all over the world, you know, under this kind of unique guiding force of like, Hey, like yoga is this connecting tool that unites all of us. Mm, Yes. Oh, I feel the same way about, um, teaching cooking classes as you do about yoga at home, doing yoga at home or people learning to cook at home. There's just something about being in a place that you're already comfortable in where it makes it feel a little bit less intimidating to start something new or to try something new, whether it's a new recipe or a new yoga pose. There's no like, um, you know, I'm going to feel awkward if I fall over doing this pose. No, you're at home. You're in your living room. Nobody else can see you. Um, and you can kind of practice that. I know I remember going to uh, one of a new yoga studio. It was my first yoga class by any means, but a new yoga studio in Toronto. We lived in Toronto for five years and it was a big yoga studio because I grew up in Rhode Island, which small state, everything is small here. And, uh, it was this big studio and there was a whole bunch of people and I brought my husband with me and we, it was an intermediate class. And since I've been practicing yoga for several years, I was like, okay, I'll be fine. I'll be good in this intermediate class. It was really difficult. It was like an intermediate vinyasa class, uh, which is a more faster paced class than some. And it was really difficult. My husband's with me and my husband is, you know, he's an athlete, but he, I hadn't practiced yoga for very long and the instructor starts guiding us through crow pose. And I was like, okay, I've never been able to do this, but I'm feeling kind of confident because I'm in this big room with all these people. And my husband goes and just pops right into it. Never done it before right next to me. And I'm like, okay, I'm not even going to try <laughs> because I felt so uncomfortable. I was so, I was like, oh, this is fine. I'm going to try this. It'll be fine. Cause the you know, instructor is guiding me through it. And then my husband goes and does it. And I'm like, oh, really, man. <laughs> but if I was doing that at home, I mean, granted, hopefully he would be in the other room. It, it would feel a little bit less awkward, right. To just go, I'm just going to try this and I might fall over, but I didn't even try it. And now I can do it. Sometimes, sometimes I can't, it depends on the day, <laughs> depends on how strong my core is feeling. But it was just one of those funny things where I'm like, you know what, there are so many benefits to being at home and being in a place you're comfortable with. And there is so there's something really wonderful about community and being in a room with other people. And so there are benefits to that. And there's also benefits to being at home. And so I love that you integrate that community aspect as well as the the ability to be able to do this at home. I know that I haven't traveled in a long time because of everything in the world, but I do really appreciate being able to bring things with me when I travel. I just actually, I did a little bit of traveling at the end of the year last year. And I know that I use an app for some of my workouts and being able to just bring that with me and being able to do that there was such a huge benefit. And so I love that you have something that accessible. I think one of the benefits of all of this craziness that's happened in the last year has been the more accessibility and I think more comfortability with, um, with things being online. Yeah, I never thought in a million years prior to two years ago that I'd be teaching online or that I'd be taking online. And, you know, I'm able to still support businesses that are here in Indianapolis and still able to stay up with my yoga practice and the teachers I love. And, you know, it's almost broadened our ability to reach. And so there are people that are able to practice with me that 
you know, wouldn't because, you know, I had a private studio in my home. So I, I taught women one-on-one therapeutically for years, you know, and you only have so many hours in a week and so many clients you can see. Uh, and this really opens up the availability of being able to get these tools out to people that need it most. Yeah. So cool. So powerful. So I'm wondering if you, as we kind of start to, to wrap things up, if you have any last words of wisdom, you've had so many throughout our conversation, but any last kind of words of wisdom or pieces of advice for the mom listening who might be that overwhelmed mom that I've brought up several times, me in many stages of my life. Um, what would you say to her if she's feeling that overwhelm right now? Uh, yeah, every breath is a new opportunity to begin again. And I lived in a space, especially having an eating disorder that, you know, some one thing could derail me and the whole day would be ruined, you know, or something goes wrong or, you know, our expectations or, you know, we, we fail at something or something didn't go our way. And it's something I remind my kids. I remind myself I mean, again, like you said, I'm talking to you. I'm talking, you're talking to yourself. I'm talking to myself too. And that every breath is a new opportunity to begin again. And that it's nothing is all or nothing, you know, it's not all lost and we can sit and take one deep breath. And all of a sudden it's a new moment. Everything else is in the past. It's never coming back. And so it's really a unique opportunity to, at any point to start over, to just take a deep breath and be like, okay, all that's in the past for, you know, foot forward and, and, and just move on, you know, and I think that gives us permission to, you know, be more resilient, you know, not letting some things, um, sometimes small things, sometimes big things, but take us down and give us this resiliency, like, you know, a, a new moment is just a breath away, like, you know, and everything else is in the past. It's never coming back. There's nothing I can do about that conversation or that experience or that, you know, happening or whatever. Uh, and so, you know, it's a reminder for all of us, and especially as we, you know, it, find stressful things in life and, and it happens, you know, and stuff happens with our kids, you know, it's just one deep breath and it's a begin again. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. Oh my goodness, Jessica, this has been wonderful. I have loved every minute of this conversation. Oh my goodness. So I have some fun little questions I like to ask at the very end, um, but I want you to share with my listeners where they connect with you or where they can connect with you, share about your app. I know you have a podcast as well and all of the work you do. So let us know where we can find you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can always reach out to me on Instagram at the underscore Zen underscore mommy. And my website is the Zen mommy.com. Uh, and my podcast is called mom slow down. So you can find that wherever you listen to podcasts. And I mean, is that not the perfect way to, um, kind of wrap up the conversation? Mom slow down is kind of the message, right? We all need to just slow down, tune into our intuition, listen to ourselves a little bit and, uh, start practicing that, that art of self-care. I love it. So I have three fun little rapid fire questions. I love to ask all of my guests, um, since I know that we both love food. Um, I know that these first couple of questions are going to be really fun. Um, so what have you been loving to cook lately? Uh, I really love to cook seasonally. So I'm deep into it's fall. I'm not sure when this is going to air, but I'm deep into the root vegetables and squash and butternut squash and acorn squash and potatoes. And uh, I'm creating some latke recipes of like parsnip and zucchini and like super fun stuff. So I love cooking seasonally. That's probably where I am right now. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I am a huge fan of seasonal eating too. So I love going to the farmer's market and seeing kind of what's in season. So then what have you been loving to eat lately? 
Yeah. I always love to eat pasta, uh, gluten-free mm-hmm. pasta, but, um, making it fresh, eating it. I mean, I'm definitely a once or twice a week pasta kind of a gal. It's just a staple food. I made, um, just last night, like a, a seared halibut over a gluten-free ala olio with like Swiss chard and spinach and, you know, frizzled garlic. It was so good. So I'm a pasta gal. That sounds absolutely delicious. I love that. I love pasta too. (laughs) So my final question, I love to ask my guests because this is the Healthy Balanced Mama podcast. What does balance look like to you in this season? Yeah, balance is a continuum for me. So it's different every single day. Uh, and Sundays, it looks like getting eight hours of sleep and, you know, waking up and getting a 60 minute workout and hammering out my work and, uh, you know, nourishing my body with plant-based foods and all of the great, wonderful things. And sometimes it means eating a bar in the car on my way to get my kids and, you know, getting things in, doing some push-ups at the sink when I'm doing dishes, you know, so balance for me in, in all seasons is a continuum and it looks different every day. Mm-hmm. Yes. Such an important message. I think bringing it back to that, you know, letting go of that kind of all or nothing and really going, it's what are those little things that we, that we can do, even if it doesn't look perfect, we can still, we can still do those things to take care of ourselves. So Jessica, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day and chatting with me and sharing all of this incredible wisdom. I am so excited to share this episode with my listeners. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me. And as a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are meant for education and inspiration only and are not to be taken as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with a trusted practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friend, and I'll see you in the next episode.